Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Mike Worley, Operations Director for HIT Training in the UK. Coming up on today's show, Mike gets aggressive towards Phil. Who do you think you are trying to tell us what to do type of thing? Phil strikes back with a line of his own. That's down to you. You need to take a look at yourself in the mirror. And Mike tells of a time of hijinks in the kitchen. And he got the head and the four trotters just underneath the lid looking up. All that and so much more as Mike talks us through his story and journey to date, as well as talking about the world of training and all it can add to a business. Don't forget, we release a new episode every Wednesday, so we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button on your favourite podcast app and give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we're joined again by someone from the world of training. Having had a chat with one of his colleagues, Simon Lewis, earlier, I'm delighted to be joined by Operations Director for HIT Training, Mike Worley. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, the weather's sunny and it's warm and it's a beautiful Wednesday. Fabulous. Which part of the world are you in? So I live just outside of Bristol perfectly it used to be for the um before covid was great for the commuter links down the m4 m5 and into london um and it's i got here i moved here by accident and been stuck here for the last 20 plus years really (laughs) but that maybe we'll have a conversation about that in in a little bit yeah absolutely so just give us a very quick snapshot of of what you do and what you cover in your current role Certainly, yeah. So uh, I'm the operations director for HIT Training Limited. We are a uh, independent training provider delivering apprenticeships and uh, commercial and some adult education budget training to the predominantly hospitality sector. We also work in the care sector and early year sector. Uh, my role is everything learner centric. So I'm overall responsible for about 450 trainers nationwide. 30 odd managers and also the quality and the curriculum function within HIT. So that involves making sure that the programs we deliver are robust and something that adds value to somebody's life and also keeps us compliant if we are claiming any government funds. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty much home-based with offices all over all over England, uh, which is where we cover and have probably one of the the best jobs in the in the company because I get to talk to hundreds of hundreds of people every week. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you you don't really cover off much then in your job. No, I mean it's quite <laughs> quite a, quite a quiet day really, a day in the life of it's. Uh, you know, it's it's that every day is a is a school day as they say, and never never the same day twice. So uh, I don't I don't have to deal with Groundhog, which is brilliant. Yeah. Great stuff. Okay. So well, take us all the way back to the beginning of your your journey uh, how did you get end up in um, in hospitality in the first place uh, it started all at school really i was probably i think it was the, i think i was the only male doing uh, food and nutrition and home economics at school and that came back because my mum is a really really great cook and my dad was more into engineering and oil and stuff and i didn't that didn't appeal to me at all i went after school decided i would once want to be a chef so I went to catering college for a couple of years and about six weeks into the course, I realized that working in the kitchen is really hot and thought maybe I'll go into <laughs> hotel management instead because that meant I could stand and talk to people and not actually have to work so hard. Right. Uh, and so that was, was the, uh, you can't stand the heat 
Get out of the kitchen. It, re- it really was. You can't stand the heat. And and, it, and and the noise, and it was just incredible. And that was just at college. That was when it was, you know, you might, if you're lucky, you got 30 covers to do for lunch. And there was about 20 of you in the kitchen trying to make bread rolls. So uh, I quickly <laughs> realised that probably maybe I should be outside and talking to the customer and being that face of the organisation, my, my dream. So part of the... The, the program was a work experience, six weeks work experience, which uh, I naively thought I'll just walk in anywhere and somebody will give me a job for six weeks. That didn't happen. So I eventually found a hotel and it used to be owned years and years ago by Grand Met. They used to have the Bernie Inn restaurants within the hotel. And I basically went to the manager and said, uh, look, I need a job for six weeks. I'll, I'll work with you for free as long as you show me all the different departments. I've got to do it for my course. So he, he said, why not? Of course. Yep. Put, me in, put me in the kitchen for a couple of weeks when I said I didn't want to work in the kitchen, but that is a department. Uh, and actually, I really, really enjoyed it because it's completely different from being in a college environment. You know, and that was a real experience. And then one day he gave me uh, a little bow tie and said, come and work in the restaurant. I know you're not getting paid. So I'll put you on some shifts in the busy ones on the Friday night and Saturdays and Sundays. At least you might earn a bit of tips. And then I realized, wow, the tips you can earn if you're nice and you talk to people, it was ridiculous. And I was 17 at the time. Yeah. And uh, my my biggest learning from that was a Saturday night. Uh, I walked through the door. He gave me a little black waistcoat and said, restaurant managers phoned in sick. So you're going to run the restaurant tonight. And I went, are you having a laugh or what? You know, I'm 17 years old and petri- absolutely petrified. 150 cover restaurant. And I was, you know, stuck like a rabbit in the headlights. I remember a, a waitress, she looked after, she was responsible for the waitresses called Gina. And uh, she took me to one side and she just said to me, it will be absolutely fine. We'll make sure that to death tonight is a brilliant night. And blow me at half nine I'm stood there at my little lectern the whole restaurant's full and it was my that was my my first real inclination of you know get the right people to do the job and they can make you look good and (laughs) it was absolutely brilliant and at the end of the night she they had a whip round all the waitresses they knew I didn't get paid and gave me some of their tips because they knew that you know I wasn't getting any money and that set me on my whole journey of the hospitality sector, really. That, that's really cool that you, I mean, that, that shows you, right, when you've got the right, I suppose, team environment that you know, everybody's got everybody's back in yeah. the end. If you've got, if the right people are in the right places, then then sparks fly and good things happen. Absolutely. And, I, and, I've, and I've kept that with me all the way through through my journey, really, in hospitality and into the role that I'm in now. That work experience, I, I got a, a job there after I finished college. And then I moved around and worked in hotels up into the Liverpool and up into the Wirral, back into the New Forest. I moved into some sort of private, privately owned hotels, a lot of weddings and conferences, master of ceremonies, which was great because, you know, you got, you got the, the good bit of seeing the bride and groom in and being part of their day, which I absolutely loved. And then the private hotel I was working in, the the gentleman decided to sell it. And it was a good old 16th century pub and really old fashioned three, four star um, hotel. And it was bought by a a national company that wanted to change it into a a premier inn and a 
a branded restaurant and I decided that maybe that wasn't for me. I, I, I didn't really want to go down that route. So my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, we had a, decided whoever got a job away from the industry, we would just go and try something different. And I ended up getting a job in 1997 in Bristol as a stock taker for a national company in hospitality. Right. So I moved into the realms of helping people with their, if they're selling a pub, doing some valuations, if they're doing some, some wet and dry stock takes and did that for a couple of years until um, I, I, I fell out of love with it because of a, I basically helped somebody keep their job and I got lambasted for it and realized that maybe training should be what I'd be looking at. Right. So yeah, it was a, it was a, a ridiculous. There's a, there's a pub uh, in Bristol that the owner or the landlord had had some really bad problems with stock takes. He was losing money every week. And I went in there and he broke down and said, look, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I, I can't, I don't know what to do. So we set up the, the normal line checks and we checked his staff and I um we, we I went in there on a, an evening just to check to make sure the staff weren't giving stuff away and he uh he turned it around in in two weeks and got a very small surplus in his stock and the the area manager came to see me while I was on site and said what's he done is he fiddling I said no he's just put some real things in place we we talked about the training and the looking at his staff training and development and the area manager complained uh, to my company to say that that I'd gone overstepped the mark because they wanted this person out and now they couldn't sack him. Oh, goodness. So instead of giving him the skills to do the job, they wanted to remove him from the job and put somebody else in there. And I, I, I don't agree with that. I think you have to give somebody the opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough yeah. if he if he was on, on the, the take or the fiddle, then, you know, absolutely. But at the end of the day, this is just somebody who was perhaps out of their depth at, at this particular moment and just needed a, a leg up. Really, to, to get on top of it. Yeah, really, very much so. And, you know, as far as I know, he's still in the industry. And I then went into a, really, really fortunately, went into a training role as an assessor for a company in 2000 called Hospitality Plus. Interestingly enough, the uh, finance director was Jill, who obviously is RMD now for this organisation. Right. John was the chairman, and he's still the chairman of this organisation. So... My journey into training started as a trainer, going out to pubs and hotels and restaurants and, and, and supporting people through, you know, giving them the opportunity to, to better themselves and get within and make, make hospitality a career for them and not just a stopgap and a job that, that people see as a, well, if you've got nothing else to do, go and do hospitality for a bit, something better will turn up. And, you know, there's nothing better than, than this industry. This hospitality industry is the skills that you learn, the life skills and the experiences are just second to none. Yeah, I completely agree. So after that, I was fortunate enough to get a promotion into the area manager's role in Bristol, took over running a bit of the southwest Bristol and Somerset. And then John, and in his merry way, sold the company to a bigger company. So I stayed with them for a few years until they merged with another one. And then I got a call out of the blue one day to say, look, there's this new company starting up called Hit. Don't know whether you know anything about it, but if you can be in, in if you can be at the IOD in Pall Mall on a Tuesday afternoon, you might hear some more about it. So I toddled along uh, to that meeting, and blow me, there was half of the other company I used to work with sitting in a room, 
and John and Jill were were, were starting uh, hit training. Right. So I, I started with a again looking after Bristol at a very small contract. There are a lot of subcontracts with some colleges and some various people around the area, and built it, uh, built Bristol, and then opened Gloucester. Became a, man, a, a like a regional manager for the southwest, and then one day I got a call from Jill to say that uh, I'd like to meet you in a in a pub in the middle of nowhere. It was one of her friends' pubs in in Dorset somewhere. I'd like to talk to you about just about work in general, which I thought well, that's a bit on, ominous. Yeah. What what have I done now? <laughs> and they, she just said, "Look, we're looking for a director of hospitality uh, to join the board." And I was thinking, "All right, she's going to tell me one of my colleagues has got it, obviously." And she said, there's a couple of people we're looking at. And we just thought we'd let you know you're one of them. And I'm going, really? And, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to be accepted onto the board in 2013 as the director of hospitality. Right. And, I, I, you know, that was not on my uh, career's aspirations at all. In fact, coming back to this whole thing about getting the best people to do the job and get, you know, trust in them, I think Jill saw stuff in, in me that I had no idea that was I was capable of and mm. you know it just it comes back that full circle all the way back to the time that I had to run a restaurant when somebody saw something in me that I didn't realize in myself and that's what I love about my job now is the potential of people and getting them to into the jobs that they can really succeed and and, and really have a fulfilling career and role in. Yeah, I, th- I think the, that highlights to me that one, you've, you're clearly in an organisation that cares about its people, but two, you know, you, you you weren't focused on becoming a member of the board. You were f- just focused on getting your head down and doing your job to the best of your ability. And actually, when you do that, it, it is amazing what happens, assuming you are in the right environment and that people do acknowledge these things. It's the same principle as as a as a chef going for a Michelin star. The, the best ones are not actually going for a Michelin star. They're just mm. get, doing what they love to do. And uh, and then, you know, if the Michelin star comes, then that's just a, a wonderful byproduct of, of the effort they've put in. I, I, it really is. And and we, we say that to a lot, you know, sometimes a lot of our trainers and staff, I've worked with them before, you know, I, w- I want to be a manager and they, they aspire to be it. And when they get there and, and they, you know, naturally they do really well, they get into the management role and then they realise actually... I I was I was more fulfilled being the best trainer or the best whatever I could be, and when they get there, they they we have a we have numbers that go back into the role they're in previously, for that enjoyment and that fulfilment and and making that difference. And it is you know you need people around you. You need an organisation that can spot talent without a shadow of a doubt. But and to take people out of their comfort zone a little bit. I think that's the bit where you know you can get people to succeed in roles if they're prepared to come out of their comfort zone and and take a leap of faith and but all the understanding that that can only work if you're if there's a support mechanism in place for them as well they can't just be left to go and run a restaurant at 17 years old without the support of Gina the 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 matriarch of the of the waitressing staff you know I I think that 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 probably made that, that could have made or break me on the same night on the same night so yeah, I, I always I do use that a lot, and when I look back in my life and and the and the journey I've taken, the people that have have supported are the ones that you sometimes you don't even realise until after the event how well they supported you. Yeah, 
No, absolutely. I actually have a, a sort of similar thing from early in my career when I was a bartender at a holiday park and we had a, a general manager who was who who had this sort of distant management style. Uh, you never felt that he you were fully connected to him. You never felt that he was fully connected to the business. And good things kept happening to me and I just used to put it down to luck all the time. And then they changed general managers and it wasn't until there was a very different management style of this chap that came in. And he said, I've got this long list of things on you whereby you know, this previous guy has seen something in you and wants me to keep pushing you. And I used to always put it down to luck. And he always used to say to me, stop believing it's luck. You're, you know, you're, you're responsible for making your own luck. One day, if the luck runs out and you still believe that it's luck, then maybe that's just your, your mentality that you'll take forward with you, uh, that everything happens because of luck. Mm. But actually, it, I think attitude just takes you a very long way. I, I, I agree, and I, and I think you know one thing the hospitality business taught me from a very, very early age is that it doesn't matter what level you are, it doesn't matter what job you do, what customers, where they come from. If you can communicate effectively, strike up a conversation in an honest way as well, and you know show some empathy, that nothing is nothing is non-achievable. And and, and I, I didn't realise that until I was a little bit older. That when you look back at, you know, we used to deal with you know um, big corporate companies that come in for events, and there would be, you know, the vice principal of this, and you and you would uh, all the way through to. You know, we'd have a, the old tarmac company at a Christmas event that, you know, all the road workers would be in. And, you know, you treat them exactly the same as you would anybody else. But I suppose, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, something we can all learn from. It's, it, it's, it doesn't matter what you do. It's just how you treat people with respect. And, and yep. you get back then so much more than you put in. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think going back to your earlier point as well about I- identifying what makes you tick i think you're getting the balance between stretching yourself and being a in a an environment that allows you to do that and gives you the support to do that but also then knowing when you've reached your you know the 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 end of the comfort zone if you like or the 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 role that really makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and do it not everybody can shoot to be uh the ceo of the business yeah and i always remember uh harry murray from lucknam park was a, a great exponent of this when if you ever hear him do or deliver talks you know he talks about the fact that he knew that he didn't want to go beyond being a, a hotel gm because that was the role that he just really loved yeah he didn't need to have aspirations to go beyond that because that's you know that's the thing that got him out in the, out of bed in the morning no i i i wholeheartedly agree with that yeah i I'm, it's really it's a really interesting one because i suppose well, I do agree with that because I was really happy doing the role I was doing before I was doing this one. Yeah. Um, but again, having somebody that sees something in you, it's it's whether you can trust in that ability. I think it's whether you, you know, that there's always that self doubt that you're going to have when you move into any role or or you change job role or or organisations. You know, you take that leap. But I suppose not knowing knowing the environment that I work in now and the supportiveness of the environment where you can ask a really stupid question because normally those are the questions that people really want the answer to. And if you can ask the question on behalf of them, 
they look to you and say, actually, well, if he can ask that question, anybody else can be involved in it. Um, we, we, we have a real culture here of this open door policy and honesty with our staff, with the good and the bad. So, yeah. you know, where the good times are good, we tell them why they're good and how great they are. And when the times are bad, we explain why they're bad and how we're going to overcome them and what we need them from them to support us with that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, all the way through all, all my roles, except one, we, I've had that environment. And I suppose, you know, you learn, you become, it becomes natural to you to, to be like that. And it's interesting when some people don't like to hear sometimes, you know, that honesty. And yet they do respect it when they've thought about it afterwards. So, you know, and yeah. it's just the, it's the way you communicate it across. It's the way you are with people. Yeah, totally. I think um, tough love goes a long way, actually. I think it's it's good. It probably doesn't feel like it initially, but it's good to hear things that other people believe that you're not doing well. Because, you know, it, I suppose it it's the sort of believe your own press thing. If if you've had a period of doing things well, and then all of a sudden somebody's having a, a go at you for something, if it's delivered in the right way, it's for all the right reasons um, it is, and helps yeah. you become better. It's the whole constructive criticism. It's the back in the industry, taking the plate of food back into the chef and trying to tell the chef the feedback in a constructive way why yeah. why the why <laughs> the why the customer said, I don't like this dish very much. And yeah. for the chef to sit there and go not to get the hump and chuck something at you, but to understand and that you're doing it from a point of positive um, constructive feedback um but that that's always a challenge as well with with some of the chefs i work with definitely yeah no absolutely uh, well i was going to ask you about your length of service but i, I think you've you've probably kind of covered it because you've you've been with the uh the organization for for quite some time yeah 14 um, years yeah and and i was going to ask you uh, what do you put it down to but i, I think you've probably covered it in that, that you've got a, an environment of mutual respect that does stretch people but stretches them in the right way absolutely i also think it's the the diversity of the of the organization and of the of the the what we deliver so no you know every we 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 support thousands of learners every year and every single one of them is unique and yeah. therefore their journey or their story or their starting point is individualized to them yeah and you can you can take a 16 year old uh, and you see resemblances of yourself, you know, I want to be the best chef ever. And three months in, they're going, it's hot in this kitchen. The chef shouts a lot. I didn't realize plates get were that warm. And, and you support them and then they grow and they, they move from a commie chef to maybe a chef de party. And, you know, I've got a, a story that when I started as a trainer with it back in 2000, I had a, a guy that worked behind the bar doing a level three uh, supervision qualification. He was an absolute nightmare. He right. was always late. He uh, he did the bare minimum. He was a real cheeky. If he could get away with it, he would. He eventually passed a long time after he should have done. And he was one of the ones who go, well, you know, that's it. He's done. He, he won't be in the industry much longer. About five years after that, for some reason, he set up my number. And he just phoned me up and said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm managing the team in Bristol. He said, great, I've got... Um, I'm looking after three pubs now and I've got four staff that want to do the apprenticeship program. Wow. I went, hold on a minute. And he said, yeah, no, wholeheartedly. He said, I was a nightmare, a real pain in the backside. He said, but without actually realizing it, 
without doing this, I couldn't have got to where I am now. And, you know, so I'm gonna, I want to give something back to the, 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 the same people that I am, the ones that are, can't be bothered or uh, have a laissez-faire attitude because they could be the next people that run another pub or another hotel or another restaurant. And it was a, a transformation in the five years from when he finished his programme to where he's, his role is now. So that yeah. most always brilliant. That's that's why we. That's why I do what I do. Seeing that, that whole journey of somebody and realizing potential, even though they don't even know what the potential is. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we we ask a lot of people at quite a young age in in this industry, and you know, maturity doesn't come to everybody at the same rate. No, you know, you, you need a series of events to to, I suppose come to the party and you know if you are a cheeky little monkey at the uh, the beginning of your career we've probably all been there and done that just at, at different ages I was definitely not a great employee in my uh, late teenage years but you know one day you wake up and go what are you doing yeah where are you going uh, and that comes to everybody at, at different times yeah uh, I- we always Sorry, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree, and and it's when I got my first assistant manager's role in a hotel, I was nineteen or twenty, and the challenges that faces from people that have been there a long time with more experience, and the what do you who do you think you are trying to tell us what to do type of thing, and that's when you realise that you know the, the, you can you can have a relationship with somebody to a point and. Now, I, I lived in a hotel uh, as part of it for about seven or eight years in a hotel, in a hotel, in a staff house in the hotel grounds. And I always remember one night going back to the hotel, to the staff house, and there was five or six of us that lived in at the time having an absolute brilliant night uh, as, you know, you certainly learn some life skills work living in a hotel. Yeah. And uh, going to work the following day feeling slightly worse for wear but one of the porters not showing up who lived in and me having to, you know, giving him a dress down and, and he said, hold on a minute. Last night we were having a drink together and here you are now, give me a right rollicking. And I said, but you've got, you've got to weigh up the difference between last night. I'm not on duty and we were having a great fun, but today the business is important and you've got to understand that the role that I play is to make sure the hotel runs smoothly, the guests what they what they get what they want, and you haven't you haven't been able to do that today. And yeah. I learned then from an age that, you know, differentiating between friendship and that whole work industry, you can absolutely be uh, polite and kind and respectful, but actually, the, the in some of the roles that you play, you're not there to be liked. So it's a it, it's a it's a real eye opener to some people, definitely. Yeah. But I think in that situation as well, if 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 he can't see that, he'll soon learn it that there yeah. is a line, and you know you're you're there to do a job fundamentally. Priority number one. Yes, you can let your hair down and have a laugh, but if that's going to affect how you come in to to work the next day, then that's down to you. You need to take a look at yourself in the mirror. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, I'd imagine that that. Well, I mean, your length of service. Sorry to come back to this again, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you must have seen some quite incredible evolution of training and how things are delivered in that time. Yeah, definitely, and and it's and also how professionalised it's become. And I'm not saying it wasn't before, but I think you 
you know, where trainers, uh, you know, they're, they're that whole teacher mentality, that our staff are industry experts. So we take somebody that's been, have to have been in the industry to become a trainer for HIT. And therefore, what they do is they bring that specialism out of that industry knowledge that, you know, they, they've lived and breathed the industry. And what we then do is we look at making them into trainers. So they keep that industry expertise. They need to be uh, on point and understand. So when they're going back out into industry, that they still kept themselves up to date with what's happening. And then we train them to be trainers. So they, they go through an assessor's qualification and they become assessors. But fundamentally, they're still experts within the sector. And that, that's, that's got more and more prevalent as the apprenticeships have changed and the emphasis now from onto employer-led or employer-driven standards where you know, employers built the new apprenticeships and, and fit for purpose for the industry. You know, the old, the old days of um, professional cookery NVQs where you could become a, in brackets, qualified uh, chef but have never touched pastry or fish. You know, the, the new ones now have changed those and they, you know, they cover absolutely every single element of every culinary, I think it's 17 culinary ranges that they have to go through. And our staff have evolved with that because they need all those skills as well. So the professionalism of the industry has definitely increased. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm really hoping that the, um, that the apprenticeship brand and the work-based learning brand is seen as a real alternative to college. Like, don't get me wrong, um, colleges absolutely have a place and there are specific people that need the structure of a college environment, timetabled events, but there's also the exact opposite of that, where people are in industry or due to go into industry, need to learn and uh, you know qualify, but need the flexibility around the role and, and their lifestyle and the way that they work. And yep. for too many years, it's been a them and us culture. It's either oh, if you go to if you're going to go into do an apprenticeship, that's because you're practically minded. You know, you probably wouldn't make it at college, and that's that. They're the that's what I'm hoping over the last 10 years as we've seen a slight shift. It's still not there yet. Uh, it's still seen as, same as hospitality industry, so it's still seen as you didn't do very well. Why don't you try working in hospitality? You know, um, that's part of our, our role to educate, to educate parents now, where we do, you know, before COVID, we were doing a lot more around talking to schools and, and parents about apprenticeships and not just in hospitality, but in in general, so that they've got a different option to people that don't want to go to sixth form or staying at school and look for doing other things. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's certainly evolved over the last ten years, I, I just, and I just hope it's seen that way because I, I don't think it is in all quarters. Yeah, I, I the uh, that point you made about educating parents, I think is I've been banging that drum since I, I started this podcast. I, I I think that's where half the battle is because the the perception of the industry is that it's the it's the fall back into if you can't do anything else whereas my experience yeah. of that is completely the opposite there are some amazing people in this industry who have skills and you know are multi-skilled that you ca- you just can't get i think that comes back to your point you made quite early on in the conversation about the, the life skills that this industry gives you are you you could argue are far more important than any academic skill yeah i totally agree this you know this hospitality sector and i, I had this conversation with it funny enough with a parent um probably li- this time last year when we were doing some careers events and 
uh, we had a standout as you usually do, and uh, a young chap stopped and he was looking at and he was about to say, "What is it? What do you do?" And the parent just said, "Oh, move along. That's not really for you." And I said, well, "Hold on a minute." I well, I didn't say hold on a minute. I said, "That's an interesting thought. Do you know what we do?" And yeah. they said, "Yeah, I can see you deal. You work in hospitality." And I said, "Well, we don't work in hospitality. What we do is we we are providing career opportunities within our this sector." And, we, and I talked to, I, I basically took eye contact with the young person, not the parent. I talked about the transferable skills, talked about you know, what you can gain from this industry and how they can use them in life later on and how you can go back to these skills at, at completely different roles and how it can move you into different areas, you know, how you can travel worldwide and all the other stuff. And, you know, I don't know ever whether he ever took an apprenticeship on or not. But they're the, they're the things that really, really frustrate me with the parents. They don't even give them the, the time of day because, you know, they might come from a, 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 um, a family where everybody went to university. And yeah. that's, that's great, but you can do a degree apprenticeship. You can do a degree apprenticeship now where you are employed, you're earning, and guess what? You don't come out with 50 grand debt. Yeah. Where's and, the appeal but, in that, eh? oh no why would you why would you want to do that yeah and and employers see that now because they get somebody nearly full-time working in their business so when they when they when they qualify they're not just a graduate they're a graduate with experience yeah and and but again getting that message across to parents school and even even some of the schools i've got i've got kids that are you know one's just that one's meant to have done his gcses this year and obviously hasn't so he'll get his uh, centre grades and another one that's due in a couple of years' time. And even the schools all talk about sixth form as that, you know, stay on at school. If you, got, if you don't think you know what you're going to do, come and do A-levels. And trying to get in there and talking about the options for the young people, about apprenticeships, about other, other opportunities, it's a real challenge in some of these schools. It really is. No, I, I I can absolutely see that. I mean, from oh, this is going back twenty years, but or twenty five years now. My God, um, <laughs> when I left school, I had a, I suppose a natural capability with physics, but I just I despised the subject. I just it wasn't something that I had absolutely any aspirations to go pursue. But the the careers advice that I got was you have you've got to go and pursue physics, and and I think to me the the, the big point around that is we ask people at too young an age to make a decision that affects the rest of their life and I th- yes. they've got to go and find the thing that that makes them happy and my experience is is that the diversity of opportunity in hospitality is phenomenal you know you you can start with nothing and make your way to the top it's it's that simple i mean it's not that uh, simple but it, it but, but it is that simple because my my first job in the in the sector was a pot wash for two weeks in the kitchen working as a pot wash right and i was lucky uh, i use the word lucky and i so i use the word fortunate i had a, a really 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 good general manager at that point who gave me a job for free there's a surprise yeah uh, but he, <laughs> he saw something in me that I got a part-time job there for the rest of my last year. I then worked full-time. I then he got he got trans, he got offered a place in the Wirral. He said, "Why don't you come and be my trainee assistant manager?" I worked with him for that into assistant manager role. Moved down to the New Forest. So he gave me the stepping stone. But the skills that you learn that from from working in these different departments, from you know from working with 
know, this whole customer focused face where you're you're at one minute you're at a table and everything is brilliant and they are, you know, leaving you a really lovely cash tip in those days, which which was great. To the next table next door to them, we've had ex- exactly the same meal kicking off. And how you deal with that, those skills you can take into life, whatever you go into, however, whatever, whatever your sector. And, you know, it is the life skills that I, that I learned. I, I honestly, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today without that sector because it gives you the confidence to, to actually see an opportunity and say, do you know what? I'll give it a go. Yeah. And, you know, and I've just, you know, it's if, if my children said to me, that I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to get a job part-time in a bar. Okay, off you go, son. Enjoy yep. it. Go yeah. enjoy it. I think as well, that example you gave of the, the two tables having the same meal, the learning from that is probably completely, I don't know, is the word unconscious or subconscious where you don't even realize you're learning. Yeah. But actually, I think the the skill of being able to deal with people in any environment, uh, I, I just think is the greatest skill on earth. Yeah, I agree. And that that whole communication piece, the way that you can communicate with somebody, um, both positively and negatively. And, and, you know, you I've learned such an amazing skill from a very early age that, that I actually made sure that my, my kids, when they were, could, could talk, we spoke, we had adult conversations, we put them in environments that would make them communicate. Because, you know, if you've got no qualifications whatsoever, you can communicate, you can get somewhere. And somebody, you know, you can get yourself into something. And that that's that's for me was the biggest, biggest learning curve for me. And, and I said to before, you know, dealing with people from the highest level uh, and, uh, of an organization to the, the, the starting block of the industry gave you those skills that, that are second to none. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think you need to be a, a successful trainer? You need to have the industry skill, first of all. There will there are some organisations out there that have generic trainers, and you know, that might work for them. For us, you need to know the industry. You need to love the industry that you're going to train in, yeah. because it's all about giving yourself back into that sector and that individual. So you've got to be able to uh, adapt the way that you work. So uh, we work with thirty to forty individuals as a trainer. I I, I always use the hospitality sector and say. You know how you manage that. Think about how you're building a rotor in the pub or the restaurant or the hotel you worked in. So, I, when when can people work? So, if you if they're, they're all industry, they're all working in the industry. So, if Mary has a Friday off, then don't go and see Mary on a Friday. Let her have a day off because it's important that she gets her rest. So, build it around. It's your man. You're the manager, and they're the, they're your staff. So, how do you get the best out of them? How do you take every individual? and see them as an individual and change your working style, learning style to suit what they need to give them the best opportunity to develop. Yeah. And the other one is, is around, you know, making sure that we celebrate success. And that success isn't just about completing an apprenticeship or a qualification. It's about celebrating some of the little things. And that could be just for, you know, uh, uh, even if it's a, a, a just a well done and a confirmation of, you know what, what a fantastic service that was tonight, because they're the bits that people remember, yeah. and the qualifications great. And if you're observing somebody, they do something great. Tell them, don't just tell them the bits that they can develop and improve on. Give them that that positive feedback as well, in a way that they can 
they still take it on board but can learn from it. And we're, we're really good at saying that's not good enough. But actually, do we say enough of that is good enough? In fact, that was fantastic. Yeah, I completely um, agree. So our, our, for that, our staff is, is all around you know, those skill sets of individualism and praise and support and development and and then and then hands-on training if they if you're going into a kitchen and head chef says i'm really really busy uh, can you show john how to fillet a fish show him how to fillet a fish because you know you get so much respect from the hotel or the pub or the restaurant by able to have those skills because head chef believes what you're teaching is appropriate and therefore you get a better buy-in from the from the uh, employer and you hope to see somebody progress within that sector within that job role and also you know i'm i'm fine people leaving our organization if they're going to better themselves i absolutely if we if we develop them and nurtured them and they've got to a point when they need something else and it's bettering for them then you know if long as they don't leave me in the in the mess i'm, I'm more than happy to shake their hand and say <laughs> you know you go ahead because it's important that you get out of your working life what you want to what you want out of it yeah i i completely agree with that as well i think the um there's there's an awful lot of leadership positions that that try to if somebody if it's somebody's time to fly then let them fly that's that's basically you know maybe they'll come back to you at some point and they'll be a better human being for it maybe they've just got to go and try something else something different uh and it's they end up finding out that that wasn't the thing for them yeah but you know if, if you're holding people back then it's it's just it's a negative thing to start with because there's a a round of resentment that will come from that and that's that's the beginning of the end yeah and we do we have we have trainers managers that leave us and you know they the ones that don't burn the bridges they you know we might get a call from them in six months eight months and say i think i might have made a mistake yep and you know if we can and we've got a role absolutely welcome them back because Unless they left in 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 uh, difficult difficult circumstances, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> where where we can, why would we not? Because we've invested heavily in our staff, and actually, you know, we are we are we are we have we don't have an organisation without our trainers. We have we don't have an organisation because yeah. without them, nobody progresses. No, the industry suffers, and and although we do have struggles sometimes with the industries, if we somebody applies to us to become a trainer out of the sector. And the sector loses maybe a really good person. I look at that is that if that's a really good person, if they can go and train forty people, then they're giving back to the industry more than they could have put in just on a single person. So yeah, yeah, it's just it's just how it, it's it's yeah it's how it yeah. is. I can imagine that that having energy, good energy, is uh, is pretty important. But I guess that probably comes maybe naturally as part of showing the passion for the industry. You you don't want people delivering training programs that are not enthusiastic about their subject matter absolutely it's got to you've got to be an engaging personality yeah people it's a bit like it's almost a bit like a salesman you know there's certain salesmen that you wouldn't buy anything off and other ones you know you could buy the tie they're wearing as they walk through the door yeah. um, and it's about <laughs> it's, and it's about how they how you present and i suppose ooze that confidence in your ability we've got some amazing people it always makes me chuckle when somebody comes direct from industry and we talk in acronyms we have so many acronyms even i can't remember half of them and we do a within six months they that they do a presentation to myself and either the head of curriculum or head of quality and it's only a 10 minute presentation and 
they talk about being a new trainer. And when you listen to them, because they've still got that fresh industry experience and that enthusiasm, it's a breath of fresh air. It's it's humbling how what what they give back and what effort and energy they put into their own development to make sure that people out there in the sector get what they need as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, they're the days where I do quite happily put my feet up on the desk and go, do you know what? We're doing all right. Yeah. Because we, if we can make that difference and everybody that we, that we support, then we're doing all right. And however hard it gets and however many changes there are, and that's one of the things I would have said, what do our trainers need to be? They need to be able to adapt and change because we have to fo- we follow the changes that either government make or the awarding organisations make on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And what we deliver today, we might not deliver tomorrow. Yeah. But you know the the core the core still is we deliver what the industry wants us to deliver. Yeah. And therefore, you need that industry expertise as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that makes complete sense. Uh, you mentioned acronyms. There is is hit. An acronym? It is, yeah. So it's hospitality industry training. Ah, there we are. Or, or if, or when I went and did a, I had to do a little radio edit on on GCSE week a few years ago, and I got lined up with all the different radio stations, and uh, I got, I was fortunate to go onto Bangladeshi res, uh, uh, radio, right, and was uh, told, don't worry if I if they go into a, a language I don't understand, they'll always come back into English eventually. And they also said, introduced me as the uh, operations director for high intensity training. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that if you ever got. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. in actual fact, I think when initially when I sent you uh, an email, I, it bounced back because I automatically put in two eyes. <laughs> because I'm stupid. Yeah. But um, trust me, I'm not into high intensity training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There's a time and a place for that, that's for sure telling me great okay well look i thank you for for sharing there's a lot of that's probably not our usual format but no less interesting because there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there about what you guys are doing and and kind of your ethos and uh, and i think it's massively important to just continually keep improving the the reputation of this industry as a place to come work and it sounds to me like you guys are playing a massive part in that Thank you. And I, I, I think it's even more than it's not just a job, it's a career. We, we want people in this industry for, for a long time. Yep. We, don't want, you know, we want them to see this, as a, to, to aspire to be in this, in this industry and, and to see it as a, that they can make a career from the stepping stones and the career paths they've got and, and where it can lead. And you know, we've got some great ambassadors that have been in, in the hospitality sector now for numbers of years, you know, similar stories that they started rock bottom and they built and then they moved on to their own business and they've got you know and they are still supporting this fantastic industry and that's that's what we we aspire to have as well that's what we want from people that you know qualify in apprenticeships or other qualifications that we deliver is that they see this not just as a stopgap but as a as a way of life and that they can that, 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 that longevity they can have within the sector yeah Absolutely. So from your, your career so far, have you got any examples of any funny stories that you could share with us? I'll that you can I'll tell you I'll go I'll give you one funny story from the first hotel I ever worked in from a uh, it for me in fact it still makes me chuckle now. So we were I was working in the in the kitchen in my first two weeks of my first job ever, and we had a, a, a KP kitchen porter that was practical joker was 
Oh, uh, he, he's yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, so we were having <laughs> the hog roast in the grounds. They brought the whole hog in. They prepared the the guy that was setting it all up. Prepared it. He took the head off and the trotters. And unbeknown to us, the pot wash had gone out to see him and said, do you mind if I have the head and the trotters? What I didn't realise what he was going to do with them. He in the big in the kitchens, we have the big bins with the pedals on the floor. So you'd have to touch them. Yeah. And he strategically placed the box in this brand new bin and he got the head and the four trotters just underneath the lid looking up. And when when the head had been prepared, (laughs) there was one eye open and the tongue sticking out. (laughs) <laughs> and he did it just at the time as housekeeping brought all of the the rubbish down from the from the bedrooms and you know uh, maybe some uh, um, breakfast in bed type stuff. And this poor housekeeper pressed the button on the floor to throw the rubbish in. And looking at it was a pig's head with its eye open. She threw the whole thing and was out of there trying to explain in her language to everybody else that there was a, something alive in the bin. He then quickly took it all out, put it away and just carried on working. They came in, opened the lid, nothing in there. <laughs> it was just the funniest thing ever. I still remember that like it was yesterday. And that was, God, 30 odd years ago, plus 40 years ago, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, amazing. But, yeah, so, yeah, that was that was a... Uh, but that was the industry then. You could get away with murder in those days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, but I think equally the, the little moments of, of fun are as important as, you know, getting your head down and cracking on, right? It's actually, otherwise, you know, what's what's the point? I don't mean that. That's quite a deep saying, but... Um, oh, you've got to enjoy it. You've absolutely. Got, whatever you do, whatever job you do, there's always going to be days that are really challenging and really difficult. But the day that they weigh out the days or the hours that you don't enjoy it, it maybe it's time for a change. Yeah. Uh, the enjoyment bit is, you know, we work, we all work too long and too hard for them for most of our lives. And if you can't enjoy it when you're doing it, then I always say go and find something else you do enjoy. Yeah. You probably don't need a, a team full of jokers like that, but to have one or two is, um, oh, yeah. it, is definitely good for balance. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, equally, have you had a, a situation where you you felt monumentally out of your depths, or, or or been terrified by what's in front of you, other than pigs' heads? Yeah. The only the only I was thinking about this. The only thing that was really terrified me was the I got uh, fortunate to become a director in 2013, about two months before our annual staff conference, and the annual staff conference is we bring everybody into a hotel somewhere that's big enough to hold us and we have a whole day of professional events and development and then we have a gala dinner in the evening and I remember uh, like it was yesterday terrified that I had a 15 minute slot on stage in front of 500 people to talk about the role of what I've been put into and how that's going to support and and increase the business over the next year and I just remember having my slides prepared and my notes as I walked up to the lectern and putting it down and looking up and seeing 500 faces that I know that, that when they, they videoed it and looking back on it, I, rem- I it looked like I was 17 again, standing at my <laughs> lectern in that, in that um, restaurant for the first time when my first table came through the door and I had to go and seat them down. Right. And that was absolutely terrifying. And but- now I really enjoy it. And now I absolutely enjoy it because it's so great to see people and to hopefully instill some belief and confidence for the year ahead. But that that was terrifying. 
but well i mean that that kind of demonstrates as well that you're you're practicing what you preach because that was a moment of stretch for you and yep. that you know, you're you're never never too old or too young to be stretched and and now as you say you now that's part of your comfort zone whereas yeah, it wasn't yeah. beforehand and i think that's probably public speaking is probably up there for a lot of people as being an area of stretch it's, it's, it's really interesting because after I'd done it and I saw the video back and I'd spoken to Jill who said you know, she was a bit worried. I was, I was, I, I'd gone from grey to white within the first five minutes. <laughs> she was wondering whether I would actually complete, complete it standing up or not. She, she did say something to me which was really true. She said, on your notes, the only person that knows what's on your notes is you. Yep. And therefore, if you, if you skip a bit, who's going to know? Yeah. And and if you get your your words the wrong way around, who's going to know? And and it makes a massive difference because you know as long as you've as long as you believe in what you're talking about, and you absolutely wholeheartedly know that it's the right thing to say, then it doesn't matter what how how you you know and how as long as that energy and enthusiasm in what you're talking about, nobody knows that you've missed the paragraph out. Yeah, and it's it's a it's something that you know I have definitely learned to enjoy. And Jill's very good at putting me on the spot to say, I've just, I've just put you forward to go and present at a provider meeting in front of 70 providers who don't like us anyway, because we're probably as good as them, if not better. And you're going to tell them how, we've, how we're working. Thanks, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Victim of your own success. That's what it is. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, well, uh, there's, there's a couple of more points that are completely not relevant to um to anything that we've just discussed but i, I wanted to, to just talk talk to you about them briefly uh, that's a, a setup if ever, ever you've heard one isn't it um you. <laughs> from your uh, your twitter i couldn't help but notice that you're a, a part-time football coach i am yeah so um i i've been doing it since uh so my son plays football has done since it, uh, since he was played for a team since he was seven and then under by under 11s the coach had had enough i don't know why but i so i foolishly said well I'll help out part-time and then we've been helping out now run a football team from under 11s he's now into under 17s and he also plays a bit for the first and reserves at a local team right so yeah so help run we've got the same about 12 about core of 14 lads since they were about eight uh, and which is which is an amazing feat because seeing them grow from boys now they're 17 years old and attitude through the 14s and 15s to almost coming out the other side a little bit now it's a it's a real uh, removal from the job that I do and it gets me out and I thoroughly enjoy it yeah have you have you managed to drill in the uh, the counter press as of yet oh of course <laughs> not uh, we have a, we have a very fluid front three yeah, <laughs> um, so fluid they don't never know when the front three is going to be the back three, but it's very fluid. Yeah, uh, we like using the words about uh, counter attack press, and they look at you and go, "Should we just go and get the ball? Just to go and get the ball?" Um, we try. It's, it's actually we had some really good success last year, and our aim this year is to go and win the league this year. Right um, now that now that now that um, grassroots football's back on the on the map, we've we've got um, permission to go out there and train again properly so uh, all really really looking forward to next season great stuff yeah and the other thing that i picked up was is that you can make a brioche in an hour so i absolutely can't make a brioche in an hour it's a it's a standing joke is I, it uh, I, I was speaking in front of 70 chef trainers right. uh, with our chef academy 
and these things about believing in what you say and energy. My chef principal had said, you know, give them some some stuff, you know, and, and some scenario base. And I happened to, I don't even know where it came from, but it came out to say, I said, you know, it's just like making brioche in an hour. And 70 chefs just looked at me and went, <laughs> what are you talking about? Even to the point when every time now that I, uh, we do a, we do a company Zoom at the moment every Friday, if I start speaking, one of them will put in the, in the chat to everybody, next he's going to be telling us he can make brioche in an hour. <laughs> so I've kept that mantle and I, I have tried to make it an hour. It's impossible. It is impossible. Yeah. I was going to ask uh, you what's the secret, but uh, it, clearly but, there is know, I've left it in there just as a, as a, a conversation piece. Yeah. Well, it works. Here we are Thank talking you. about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's brilliant. Great stuff. Okay, so if um, if somebody's listening to this and they're they're considering a career in in hospitality, what would you say to them? Absolutely, grasp it, enjoy it, and get the everything out of it that you can because it is a fantastic industry. Um, always ask for help. Never be afraid to ask for help if you don't have to do something ask somebody because there are certain things that you do need to get right but be yourself because this industry needs personalities and the personality piece is what the customer will remember and gets you to places and other opportunities in your life that you may never even realize that are there for you yeah no that's that's great and absolutely true brilliant and uh, well if people want to reach out to you to to pick your brains on on anything or learn a bit more about your company what's the the best method for them to do that yeah well i'm on linkedin so they can find me on linkedin if they want to i'm also we've got an 0800 number which is for the company wise which they can they can leave some numbers there so it's 0800 093 Uh, that gets forwarded on to me as well so yeah any 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 either of those means wonderful Great stuff. Well, look, thank you very much for for spending some time and sharing your story today. It's been uh, a real pleasure to have a chat. I appreciate it. And thank you for for letting me waffle. Ah, No, I I, I (laughs) think actually it's usually me that's the waffler. And I think actually everything that came out of your mouth was uh, absolutely on point. So uh, I thank you very much. Uh, You're more than welcome. Anytime. Good, Good man. All right, mate. Take care. Okay. Okay, bye now. Cheers. And there we have it. What a cracking chat that was, and it's clear that Mike believes wholeheartedly in what he and Hit are doing, also demonstrating that good things come when you stretch yourself. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share where you can. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.